0: Greetings everyone and welcome back to Patriot to the Core podcast. I appreciate you joining me. I am Thad Forrester and since it is Memorial Day, I want to read a few excerpts from a book about someone that I want to recognize today for Memorial Day. I'll provide a little bit of commentary as I go. As the situation started heating up, a tick was called a tick- call was sent to the task force at FOB, Terran count at approximately 1300 hours. A pair of AH-64D Longbow Apache helicopter crews responded and set out on a direct 20-minute flight to Mark's team roughly 7 kilometers southwest of FOB Cobra. Upon arrival, they checked in with JAG-28. I think you know where this is going now. Mark told the Flyers that his team of U.S. Special Forces troops and Afghan National Army commandos had taken small arms fire from a large Kulat structure approximately 150 meters to his southeast. The pilot of the lead bird reported, As the low bird aircraft in the flight of two Apaches, I descended to approximately 200 feet above ground level to fix the forward line of troops. Through ground signals, I fixed JAG-28's position and then stepped to Able 12 e who was another dismounted element, and Bravo-05, the mounted element where George was located, operating on the left and right flanks of JAG-28, respectively. By the way, I changed all these team names, so the Able, and Bravo that's just made up for the book. Back to it. Um, after, fixing all, after fixing all positions, Jag-28 informed my flight that his team was going to move south and clear the collage where he had previously taken fire. My team requested that he mark the structure to ensure my aircraft had eyes on the correct collage. Jag-28 fired in a 40 millimeter red smoke grenade round which landed slightly in front of the structure, confirming that my team did indeed have our sensors on the correct objective. Mark's team, consisting of 10 to 15 Afghan National Commandos, moved south at the same time to two other dismounted element, able 12E and 20 to 30 Afghan National Army soldiers, followed by a parallel and southerly course. This enabled them to support Mark's team and cover their left flank. George and his group maintained an elevated supporting position to Mark's right flank. Back to the words of the pilot. As the low bird, I moved my aircraft in an east-to-west fashion at roughly 200 feet above ground level, back and forth from able 12 es position to JAG-28's position. This enabled me to maintain situational awareness on their progress, while my wingman, the high bird, held a higher orbit around the entire objective area. As JAG-28 moved upon the clot structure, which he was about to clear, he contacted us and stated he was preparing to enter. So, by the way, there's two, you've got two teams here. You've got Mark's team. And you've got George's team. And they're not too far apart, but George was the JTAC for his team and Mark was the JTAC for his. And um, the high bird that is mentioned here, this is going to be Matthew Nongenegger. These are not Matthew's words here, but he he's the one mentioned in the last paragraph I just read. Uh, and Matthew is a a friend of the families. Now, back to it. At this moment, my aircraft observed Afghan National Police moving 10 to 15 military-age males toward the rear of the collage structure, which we surmised to be an action to move back the local populace that had been moved out of the area during the clearing operation. The collage structure was a large rectangular dwelling-oriented west to east with a courtyard at its most westerly side and another at its most easterly side, partially obscured, large hardwood double canopy trees with living areas centrally located within the structure. It was at this easterly side that ANP, Afghan National Police, trafficked their populace back into the community traveling in an obscured canal system adjacent to the easterly wall of the subject building. As these personnel traveled under the vegetation outside of the the easterly wall of the Kalat system, JAG-28's team entered the westerly side. As I observed this action, I had completed my orbit and was moving toward abel 12 E's position as he entered the heavily populated Kulot system, also obscured by double canopy vegetation. It was as I flew over abel 12 E's position that Jag-28 called out, Shots fired! Inside the Kulot, and he had a man down. I immediately moved to JAG-28's position with a 3 to 4 second time of flight and descended to 130 feet above ground level, holding a tight left orbit around the structure so as to be prepared to observe and engage the enemy as directed by JAG-28. By the way, so to think of this now, the, the pilot is 130 feet above ground level now. He's in an Apache. Um, he knows Mark by his call sign, not his name. So he knows him as JAG-28 or JAG-28. Back to it. Upon my first turn around the structure, roughly 10 seconds after the call of shots fired, ANA commandos exited back out of the westerly doorway where they had originally entered, dragging a dead a a soldier by his feet, then lying him in front of the doorway. And this this pilot, uh, who did not want his name mentioned in the book because he didn't want any, any recognition, um, he's watching this with his naked eye. He's, th- he's that low. He continues, at this time, the ANA soldiers began firing into the Kalat structure adjacent to the ob- objective building with small arms and rocket propelled grenades. As I continued the left orbit around the Kalat, numerous military age males, upon hearing the weapons fire, fled from under the vegetation on the easterly side of the structure where the ANP had led them. Communications between my front-seater and our sister ship were taking place throughout this sequence of events, ensuring both aircraft were situational aware. After making numerous left orbits, JAG-28 made a curt radio call stating that he had a second man down, was taking fire, and rounds were impacting all around him. Alarmed, I descended further to ascertain his location, Holding a very tight circle around the structure, it was at this time that I surpri- I was surprised to see Jag twenty eight emerge from the easternmost portion of the living quarters into the open courtyard, slightly in front of the large double canopy vegetation that overhung the wall and part of the courtyard. My front seater and I assumed that Jag twenty eight and his team were still in the westerly entrance with A commandos. It became obvious that Jag twenty eight had other had, had and others had continued farther through the structure in pursuit of the insurgents who had killed the ANA commando. However, no call had been placed to our aircraft from JAG-28 stating this fact. As I came around and achieved eyes on JAG-28, he made his call of taking fire in rounds impacting all around him. I observed him advancing from the cover of the living quarters out of the doorway and towards the canopy, double canopy area of the courtyard, crouching with his weapon up, firing and advancing. As he continued to move forward, I could see the recoil of his rifle buckling, his shoulder back, and the muzzle flashes from the barrel. So he sees Mark moving forward. He's in an aggressive stance, crouched a little bit, firing his weapon. The pilot can see his shoulder being kicked by the, you know, by the, the rifle, the recoil of the rifle. And you can see the muzzle flashes from the barrel. My front seater and I instantly looked forward to the direction of his fire and attempted to see where his rounds were impacting under the tree line, which was a distance of about 20 to 25 meters. Unable to observe the enemy, I looked back at JAG-28 and began to observe rounds impacting to the left and right at his feet and the wall around him. As the insurgent rounds impacted Jag-28 continued to advance, firing his weapon at the enemy. I continued my left turn around the easterly side of the clot where his location was briefly obscured by the vegetation. As I cleared back around, I again obtained eyes on the courtyard and saw Jag-28 lying prostrate on his back with his weapon beside him. Shocked at what what had happened, I continued around once again and was able to see another U.S. soldier on his back beneath an archway directly under the double canopy vegetation in front of where JAG-28 had fallen. My front seater and I determined that the insurgent fire had come from the roof of the collat where the enemy was fully obscured by the hardwood branches and overhanging the courtyard. As I came around again, I called out four insurgents, fleeing the eastern eastern side of the collat from underneath the double canopy trees, armed with AK-47s. I immediately called This out to my front seater and made a transmission to my wingman, stating that I had armed military-age males fleeing the site. I was so low at this time that as I passed the enemy in orbit from roughly 80 feet away, they turned and looked from the collage structure they had just left to determine the noise behind them. As they turned and looked at me, their mouths literally dropped open, realizing that we had observed them, and they began to run easterly along a narrow canal system. I was so close that we could not bring our 30-millimeter cannon to bear. I then handed over the enemy and their position to my wingman while my front-seater requested from JAG-28 clearance to fire. We did this only because of the high human traffic behind the clot system at the time of the shots fired, and we knew that JAG-28 would be able to positively identify the personnel who had engaged him. We received no response from JAG-28, and I continued to relay the insurgents' movements to my wingman, just before the insurgents were able to move into a nearby clot structure. I gave my front-seater permission to engage the enemy. Concurrently, my wingman picked up the impact of our rounds and engaged the enemy as well. Communication and intercepts from the enemy determined that we killed three insurgents during the engagement. My flight was unable to reestablish communications with JAG-28 or anyone else within the compound. My first, no, my front-seater walked Able-12E onto JAG-28's position, and Bravo-05 departed his his overwatch position and linked up at the compound. I then confirmed to Able-12E our ability to facilitate medevac 9-line. He replied that JAG-28 was KIA. The insurgent sniper and his comrades did not leave Shamashad alive. At this point in the book is where I had the name of the terrorist who shot my brother, Mark. Uh, At the request of one of my brothers, uh, Joseph, did not think it was smart to put his name in here. So I I pulled it before publication. Last paragraph. As a senior AH AH-64D Longbow Apache aviator, aviator, Rated as pilot in command and qualified as air mission commander, I have never witnessed such an act of heroism in my three years of fighting in combat. I have over 2,700 hours total time with 1,500 hours of combat time in both Iraq and Afghanistan. My only regret is that I was unable to prevent JAG-28's death. I will carry that burden indefinitely. JAG-28 continued to advance on the enemy while taking intense enemy fire, and continuously fired his weapon in an attempt to get to his fallen teammate and destroy the enemy. I can only hope to live up to such an example. And that is from the book My Brother in Arms about the exceptional life of Mark Andrew Forster, United States Air Force Combat Controller, um, authored by yours truly. So I wanted to read a section from that book. For this Memorial Day, that's from Chapter 12, titled, He Was Ready. Talks about how he got the Silver Star in his last few moments on Earth and the few people that were around to see exactly what happened. Thank you for listening to a few words about my brother, Mark Forrester. We just recognized him and and had one of our big fundraisers last weekend in Haleyville. We had the annual race and the walk. Uh, I, I, of course, took part in the, in the walk because that's my baby. And it was incredible to see and just witness the people who were in a lot of discomfort and pain and still fight it out and, and finish the walk. Some people didn't. Some people maybe took got a ride for part of it. But, man, some of you folks, and some of them were young, some young kids, too, that just walked and did not complain. Uh, there was one young lady who was probably 16 who wants to be a Marine, and she, she uh, her feet were in bad shape, but the girl never let up ever. She got her feet taken care of by one of our professional uh, blister guys at Stop Two. And she never drugged. She was never lagging back behind, ever. She didn't stop. That says a lot about her. I don't know how she made it the next day at work, because I know she had to work, and it was a job. It's a job at a grocery store where she stands on her feet. I saw some young kids um, under 12 that did it, and it's incredible. It's incredible to see so many people do something hard. We had people of all ages, so it's a very it's a very uplifting event. Even though it's it's draining Um, the sun, it was very sunny. The sun didn't let up there until till the end. And I'll I'll share a video of the the flags that we were given there to walk the last few hundred yards and the nice breeze we finally got at the end. Only (laughs) the sun didn't get the clouds didn't come in until last few miles of the walk, Uh, but we had a great experience. And I'm really appreciate everyone who came and took part in the Jack 28 birthday walk. Uh, We'll do it again next year. Of course we do it every year. I think it was a good one. It was really good. We stayed together. We had a few people drop out, but they needed to. And usually I don't encourage anybody to quit anything, but for this walk, if people are dragging too far behind, I will encourage some people to quit. And uh, needed to happen because we, we need to stay together. hope you have a great Memorial Day and are able to remember the many or one person, however many it is, someone who fought for our freedoms. And I'm forever indebted to all those thousands and thousands and thousands of people. And especially to my little brother, Mark, for his commitment to serve and protect, to fight evil, to recognize his mission on earth and to accomplish it and to take joy in his job. Mark loved what he was doing. And no matter the circumstance, he didn't let someone else take the joy from his job. He loved it. And I think he was made for it. And I think he did his part in helping send many terrorists to meet their makers meet their maker that's all I've got for today enjoy your ice cream and enjoy your steak or your burgers and please tune back in Uh, I am not doing my podcast as as regular as I was I will probably talk more about that in another episode but I still have some great guests uh, lined up it's just I don't know when I'll get to them so thank you for all your support really appreciate you